So, Liz Merrill, I thought the book on the Kansas City Chiefs had closed on Sunday when they, you know, won the Super Bowl and everything. But the reason that you are back on with us right now is because of a particular chapter in this story. It started back in December, actually, right as the Chiefs were about to make this whole postseason run. What happened? Chiefs Kingdom, as they like to call it, is this very rabid, you know, millions of fans who support their team and Patrick Mahomes. And part of their routine, they follow this Twitter personality named Chiefsaholic. He's a prolific tweeter. He tweets more than it's like a bodily function for him almost. And um, all of a sudden on December 16th, he goes radio silent. I should also mention that he's a super fan who also dresses up in a wolf costume, goes to every game, and he's supposed to be driving on that particular day. The Chiefs are about to play the Texans, and he's supposed to go to Houston to root on the team, and a lot of times he'll tweet along the way. And nobody has heard from him on December 16th. And then it rolls into the 17th and the 18th. And they start to get worried. He even posted the section in row he was going to be in for that game at Houston on the 18th. And so, you know, the days pass on from his last tweet. And then he's not even tweeting during the game. A lot of times before a game, he would uh, be wearing the wolf outfit and do like a little hype-up video that he would post, you know, with his high-pitched voice. Let's go, baby. You already know what it is. We control our own destiny for the one seat, and we can't let the Rams fuck that up. Let's go, But none of this appeared on Twitter, and so people started getting worried. And, and throughout Twitter, you can see various Chiefs fans asking, hey, I'm getting kind of worried about Chiefsaholic. Where is he? So at Chiefsaholic, who is this well-known fan who, again, just to be clear here, dresses head to toe in a wolf costume. He appears to go missing. And Chiefs Kingdom is worried, perhaps understandably. But what did they actually know about who this guy actually is. Chiefsaholic really rarely gave his name at all to anyone. They knew him as the wolf for Chiefsaholic. It was pretty rare that he even gave his first name. People who would meet him didn't even know his name. And so who is our Sherlock Holmes here, Liz? Who is trying to solve this mystery? Her name is Erin. She's a Chiefs fan slash teacher's assistant in Tulsa. She declined to give her last name, would only give her first name. So she had looked up a GoFundMe that he had helped with and and saw that he had listed his name as Xavier B. And then she knew that he had claimed to live in St. Louis. And so what she did was she mapped out the route from St. Louis to Houston. And Then she started searching jail sites, searching for someone with uh, Xavier B, starting with Tulsa. Mm. And that's where she came upon Xavier Babadar. Wait, 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 (laughs) wait. 
Erin, our detective, no last name given, she starts looking through jail sites and she finds a, a, a name, a picture. What does she discover? She finds a mugshot of a man named Xavier Michael Babadar. He was arrested on December 16th for pointing a gun at a bank teller and robbing the Tulsa Teachers Credit Union. A Bixby bank robbery is getting a ton of attention because Kansas City Chiefs fans are convinced the suspect in the Tulsa County Jail is a popular Chiefs superfan. Bixby police arrested a man moments after he robbed a bank armed with a gun. The superfan who fans think robbed the bank is known as Chiefsaholic. So after her discovery, soon all of Chief's kingdom has heard the news about the bank robbery. And suddenly it prompted this cascading wave of disbelief and, and doubt in everything they really knew about their own fandom. They're asking who is Chief Saholic and, and what do we really know about him? Podcasting is an audio medium, which means that I cannot physically show you what Chiefs Aholic actually looks like. But you should know that the whole wolf costume thing is not in the mold of the Chiefs' actual mascot, Casey Wolf, who you may remember from like the big cartoony googly eyes and friendly paunch. Chiefs Aholic, whose name again is Chiefs Aholic, kind of looks like an actual werewolf. Granted, a werewolf with a chief's cap and a red fanny pack, but a werewolf nonetheless with a gray fur coat and this perma-snarl that would show up everywhere the Kansas City Chiefs were, essentially. At home, on the road, certainly online. And today, Liz Merrill unravels his mystery, a mystery that must be heard to be believed. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Friday, February 17th. And this is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Liz Merrill, you tend to bring us these stories um, that are uh, strange and profound in their own way and about weird creatures. And... This guy, the man inside of the Chiefsaholic wolf costume, Xavier Michael Babadar, what did you learn about who he actually turned out to be? Right after this happened, my colleague, David Purdom, who 
uh, is one of our gambling writers. He started digging probably a few weeks before I came onto the story, but from court documents and police records and bankruptcy records, we were able to cobble together that he lived at some point in his childhood in Laguna Beach, California. If you look at the house that's listed in some of these documents, it seems like he would have had a decent upbringing in a, in a nice house that's by the ocean, 2,400 square feet. Um, he has a brother, an older brother named Noah, who's four years older than him. But then you sort of look into some of the bankruptcy filings and paints a picture of a sad story. When he was 10 years old, his dad filed for bankruptcy. Two years later, the boy's mom, Carla, added a filing to the case that said that their dad, Michael Babadar, had gone to off to serve community service for a traffic violation and that he never returned. She had written in the, in the filing that this was financially devastating to my children and I. We did not have sufficient income to purchase another residence. And so at that point, this family is broken in a couple of different, like, real ways. Wh what did they do from there? So there were at least three different places that they bounced around to. They kind of went from California to Utah to Kansas City. And the way to track them in these movements was through police reports. And it seemed like in every one of those moves, they ran into some trouble with the law. When Xavier was 14 in 2009, his mother was arrested for retail theft at a grocery store in Utah. And then three years later, Rancho Cucamonga, California, both Carla and her sons were arrested for forging gift certificates. Carla and Noah, in that case, eventually pled no contest to disturbing the peace. There weren't any records available for Xavier because he was 17 and a juvenile, but the local paper referred to the family as transients in the headline. And the paper also said that the 17-year-old, that he was booked into juvenile hall. Yeah, it sounds like at this point, Xavier is now a known entity to law enforcement in a, yeah, growing way. Yeah, and so Xavier's 21 years old. Police in Sandy City, Utah, accuse him of stealing spoon holders and snack bags from a target. He's also accused in a separate incident at the same target of um, switching prices and then returning the mismarked items. So it sounds really similar to some mm. of the stuff he experienced as a kid. From like 2016 to 18, it seemed that the family were the subject of various police reports at hotels in Overland Park, Kansas, where um, they would be charged with trespassing and using like the pool, the restrooms without actually staying there. They'd be in their car a lot. It sort of painted the picture of a family kind of on the move a lot. Yeah, so this is a family that doesn't have a lot financially, has had been entered into the record previously, and it sounds deeply chaotic. And I I'm wondering now, when did Xavier, the, the kid at this point in the retelling, when did he begin to grow into the version of himself that, yeah, seems familiar now? Well, Amazon did confirm to us that he worked at one of their warehouses 
for nine months in 2018. He also started around that time to develop a social media presence. In 2019, he... uh, opened his Twitter account. And before that, he had started an Instagram. His first Chiefs-related post was in 18 with, like, an obligatory Philip Rivers bashing Instagram post, which is, like, a prerequisite back back in the day that everyone had to riff on Philip Rivers. And, you know, if you look at his Instagram, he's he, at one point in 2021... He shows off this gigantic Chiefs tattoo that he has on his bicep. Um, and so, yeah, there, his Twitter and, well, especially his Instagram presence, that all sort of kicked off seemingly right when he was grounded a little bit with that Amazon job. It seemed like that's when he really started showing his love for the Chiefs and people started following him. And so wait, so as his sort of rap sheet begins to recede and his online presence is is surging, when did he become this character that other people knew about, this sort of like Pied Piper of Chiefs fans? He certainly gave the appearance of someone who was not only benevolent, but had money. He would regularly hold like these giveaways on Twitter where he'd like hook up a follower who retweeted him with Chiefs gear. Like he'd give away jerseys and shoes. He started a GoFundMe for a fan. Probably the first sign that like really gave people notice that this guy was successful was he posted these photos of himself at the Super Bowl in 2020 in Miami um, where he's celebrating when the Chiefs beat the 49ers and those tickets would have cost probably like $8,500. That trip would have been obviously really expensive. He looks legit and not only that but 10 days before his arrest he's at Patrick Mahomes' annual fundraiser. And that's not cheap to go to. It's $1,250 to go to that per person. And he's outside the theater at some point that night, and he's posing with a painting of Patrick Mahomes that's autographed. I called the art gallery who produced those paintings, and he said that it's a recreation, but that those generally fetch $10,000, the autograph recreation. So Mm. if he did purchase that, you're looking at, you know, he just dropped more than $11,000 that day, 10 days before the robbery. So the question, obviously, is how did he purport to afford all of this? The artwork, the tickets, the travel. For someone who had been as you had put earlier, transient. How was any of this possible? Well, it's interesting because when he would post photos of himself at games, there would always be these fans who would say, how do you afford this? How can you get off of work and travel to these places? That same month, around the time of the Mahomes event, he tweeted that he graduated from Kansas State in 2016. His love for the Wildcats is definitely splayed out all over his Twitter page too. But he said he graduated from college in 2016 and at the time he was at a warehouse job making $12 an hour. 
and that that he had worked himself up to managing multiple warehouses throughout the Midwest. And in his same tweet, he said that he makes an excellent living. He's only 28 years old. And then it says, hard work pays off and don't let anyone, in caps, tell you otherwise, exclamation point. So he's basically telling his followers, you can be like me if you work hard. So the idea that he was this K-State alumnus uh, warehouse manager who built a life by pulling his own bootstraps up, did that all check out? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it checks. There are no records uh, that he owns these warehouses. Kansas State has no record of him not only graduating, but, but ever attending there. Well, hold on. So now, now I want to go back to where we started the show because it is December 16th. 2022, right before the Chiefs go on this magical Super Bowl run, and Chiefsaholic, at Chiefsaholic, Xavier Babadar, um, was missing. Where was he? Well, this is according to police and court records. I'll preface it by saying that. But on December 16th, he parked his vehicle at a Lifetime Fitness in South Tulsa. It's about three miles away from the teacher's credit union. And according to Bixby, Oklahoma police, he pointed a black pistol at a bank attendant's chest and ordered her to open the vault and, quote, give him the 100s, or he'd put a bullet in her head. According to a hearing recently... Babadar tried to flee the scene on a bicycle, actually trying to pedal away from police when he was apprehended a few blocks away from the bank. So all this happens within a few minutes. He is not on the lam for very long. And police find him with a black backpack containing a paintball mask, ski goggles, gloves, a green zip-up jacket, green sweatpants, black shoes, a CO2 pistol, and a Target bag containing, quote, a large amount of U.S. currency. And Liz, you actually talked to the bank teller, right? What did she have to say? Well, her name is Peyton Garcia. She's 25 years old. She was in an hour into her shift on that morning when she saw someone come in with a mask and goggles. It didn't strike her as being completely unusual because sometimes bikers come in and she has to ask them to take off their mask or their goggles because they have to see their faces when they're performing transactions. And she's just about to do that when the alleged robber jumps over the counter uh, and suddenly is facing her, holding a gun against her chest. He tells her to go to the vault and this is all of her account of it, Um, while he had the gun to her back. He starts to get really aggressive in tone once they get to the vault, and they were having trouble opening it, and that's when the robber said if she didn't give him all the hundreds, he'd put a bullet in her head. Um, there's a timer on this vault and they were minutes away from the vault locking up. So, you know, her stress level is rising and rising. 
what she's thinking, what if they can't get it open? She doesn't know that this is an air pistol. She's thinking, I'm going to die if, if we can't open this, this vault. And the whole sequence takes, seems like it takes forever, but it's only a few minutes. And they got the, they got the vault open. He got the money and he fled. And that's kind of when her adrenaline kind of shut down and she started to have a panic attack. And that's when she was able to break down when he was gone. What did he have to say once he got arrested? According to police, he was uncooperative, refused to give his name. They actually had to fingerprint him to learn his identity. And upon his arrest, he filled out a pauper's affidavit and listed himself as homeless. And so what dots are people connecting in their heads at this point? People are wondering how he has been able to subsidize this lavish lifestyle. So after they learn of this bank robbery, and he's been traveling all over the country to watch his beloved chiefs, it leads to the question, has he been robbing other banks to be able to follow the Kansas City chiefs? After the break, it's time to follow the money. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, Liz, um, I feel like I'm in the room with you now as all of the red yarn is connecting theories and faces and characters and bank robberies. And I I need to know whether you have an answer to the question of whether Chief Saholic was actually robbing banks to be at Chief Saholic. I wish I knew. Uh, The problem is two months later, nobody knows where his money is coming from. (laughs) 
So I drove to Tulsa, and there was a bond hearing on February 3rd, and, you know, sat in the courtroom, and... um So he walks out, and he's a lot bigger than what you would see on the photos on Twitter. Okay, he's wearing a wolf suit for a lot of them. So, okay, we don't know exactly what he looks like. But, I mean, here's a guy. He's ripped. He's really muscular. He just looks a lot bigger than what you would think, especially watching those hype videos with kind of the higher voice and stuff. He's he's really muscular, sits down. He's in, like, these uh, leg shackles. And he wants to have his bail lowered because his bond was at... 200,000 and his public defender was arguing that they only filed half the charges that they had initially charged him with and that his bond needed to be lower. But the prosecutor, Morgan Metters, kind of laid out some of the details of what they found in his car. And it was super fascinating. They found like this check in his car for $78,000. They found a recent 1099 that showed he somehow acquired 150000 And it just leads more to the question, what the heck is going on? How does he have this money? Uh, why does he need to rob a bank? And it's yeah. super puzzling. And, and the plot thickened throughout the hearing. And this is just a bond hearing, but it was fascinating. And so what have authorities said about whether he had ever robbed any other banks? I talked to Kevin Keller, who's the chief of the criminal division of the Tulsa County District Attorney's Office. So what he basically said to me was like, we're trying this crime, this particular alleged robbery. And I also talked to the FBI. They don't comment on whether or not they're investigating other robberies. But you get the sense that if he was someone who had been committing these other robberies, that we would know about it maybe. But also, okay, maybe he's not the most experienced bank robber, just if you look at the details of what happened. I mean, he was caught. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bicycle as the getaway vehicle does not feel like the work of an expert serial bank robber to my casual perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it raises, obviously, uh, another question as to like, okay, but what's the clubhouse leading theory for how he is acquiring, yeah, sudden significant sums of money, seemingly? So we don't know. You know, one theory is that maybe gambling. That's another thing they found in the car were random tickets for thousands of dollars, uh, these bets. One thing that we did hear from a source that earlier this fall, he placed an $80,000 bet at a Hollywood casino, the Hollywood casino in Kansas City, Kansas, Mm. for the Chiefs to beat the Bills who were favored. So that's a big bet to put on your team. Although the $80,000 may have been new, the idea of him gambling a lot on football was not. A lot of times he would brag about it. He'd post screenshots of like $1,000 long shot parlays centered on his team that were placed with FanDuel Sportsbook. Two weeks before that big $80,000 bet, he posted a ticket of a $1,000 bet on Chiefs tight end Jody Fortson that he would score a touchdown against Tampa at 18 to 1 odds. Hmm. Fortson did wind up scoring and Babadar 
celebrated his $18,000 win on social media. So we also know, Liz, that the Bills beat Kansas City 24 to 20. And so uh, this is seemingly a guy with the ability to drop $80,000 on a bet, which would indicate, okay, he's fine financially. But you also said that he requested reduced bail. And so how did that go? What was the outcome of the bail hearing? So Morgan Matters, the assistant DA, argued that he didn't think Babadar had anyone, whether it was friends or family, who could vouch for his reliability to comply with the conditions of the bond. He also said that in that motion for reduced bail, since he wasn't from Oklahoma, you know, who would he stay with? Well, the one person listed as being responsible in the community who could vouch for his reliability would be his mom, who's 66. Mm. She would actually move down there as the case played itself out. The prosecution kind of was arguing is like, hmm, is this someone who we want vouching and caring for him and making sure he doesn't leave the state? And then there were a series of jail calls between him and his mom, which are monitored. Well, what, what, what was said then on the recording? According to the prosecution, there was this back and forth concern about the car and whether police would gain access to it. And he actually had this quote. So this is from Morgan Matters, the assistant DA. And I quote, his mom says to him, thank God I got your phone wallet, and a bunch of other stuff out of the glove compartment. Thank God they didn't get your phone because there's a lot of bad things in that. Mm. Not, again, like uh, criminal masterminds, it seems like, working out, yeah, how to get out of this. But in the end, his bail was reduced from 200000 to 80000 10% of that is a presumably more manageable amount of 8000 that he would have to post to get released. And the condition of his bond was that he wear a GPS monitor and that he didn't leave the state of Oklahoma. And so what happened to him then? Last week, he was quietly reduced on bond sometime around noon on Wednesday. And he had a new lawyer by that point, a private attorney who petitioned the court for permission for him to travel to the state of Arizona for a pre-planned family trip. Now, what is in Arizona? The Super Bowl. hmm. Who's playing in that? The Chiefs. Yeah, don't need all the red yarn to connect those dots. (laughs) Yeah. In the petition, it said that the inability of Babadar to attend this pre-planned trip will, quote-unquote, cause considerable financial hardship for the defendant and his family. Um, Now, I talked to his new attorney and he did not uh, reveal what those hardships would be. There wasn't enough time uh, to file a motion. It was on a Thursday. He'd just been hired and they ran out of time and the motion was denied. Okay, so as we are talking here today, what's the latest on Xavier Babadar's case? Well... From a gambling perspective, he's had a pretty good week or so. We have every reason to believe this is actually accurate, but on social media, he had posted a ticket of a $5,000 bet on Patrick Mahomes to win the 
regular season MVP. The odds were eight to one. And he also had a ticket for a $5,000 bet on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl at 10 to one. Pretty good. Pretty good bets. Um, Betting on the Kansas City Chiefs, a pretty reasonable gambling strategy, it turned out. Yeah, I actually emailed him from jail. And although he would not talk about any specifics of his case, he seemed um, very eager, at least at the time when he was still in jail a couple of weeks ago, to talk about his Chiefs. I mean, he's looking at like $100,000 right now with those two bets. And so here we have Xavier Babadar, who has just one all of this money and his favorite team that he defines himself through has just won the Super Bowl again and he's out on bail and this account, the account that, you know, Chiefs Kingdom knows him by, at Chiefsaholic, what does he do with that? How does this extremely online person treat his newfound winnings? Well, you know, he's out on bail and you have to think like the two months of social media oppression is getting to him. And so, you know, shortly after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, he just unleashes all of that frustration. He posted a video of rapper Takashi 6 9 song, Gooba, and he edited his wolf head over the rapper's face. In one sequence, it's the rapper's wearing an ankle monitor. So by Tuesday afternoon, this tweet had nearly 300,000 views. And he tweeted, prolifically tweeted a lot of like Kansas City smack talk, really pushed the boundaries in a series of tweets over like two days. So Wednesday morning, wake up, the Twitter account is gone. Uh, His Instagram is scrubbed. I talked to one lawyer who's sort of involved with this case who was pretty upset about... um, uh, all of the tweets and just as like how inappropriate it was and just the wrong tone. And so, yeah, Wednesday, the, the, he was gone from social media. So now my mind returns uh, as I hear news of Chiefsaholic's windfall and also this entire insane unraveling of, of his identity. Like, how does... Chiefs Kingdom feel about, yeah, their most famous fan. Shocked, betrayed. I mean, you have to realize that, like, this guy, he was one of them. The way that fans reacted when he disappeared off social media, I mean, there was genuine concern. Like, concern that you might have for a friend and someone you actually had face-to-face conversations with. I mean, he meant something to them. Right, and so the idea that Chiefs Holic has been revealed to be, you know, a, a wolf in wolf's clothing, as it were. I, I, I do wonder, I do wonder what Xavier Babadar, Chiefs Holic himself, how he feels about any of this at the end here. So he answered an email to me. This is when he was still in jail on January 29th. It was right after the Chiefs pulled out that 23-20 to win over the Bengals for the AFC Championship that took him to the Super Bowl. Um, I asked him if he was able to watch the game because I think some people are kind of wondering that. Like, what what happens in jail when you're like this? Yeah, I'm wondering that. He told me that he watched the game on this small TV in a day room outside of his cell. He said that he got so excited that numerous times he was told to keep it down. He emailed me back, you can put the wolf in a cage. 
but he's still going to howl for his team, exclamation point. Uh, but look, before, before we let you go here, Liz, before we put a period on this story, because it is admittedly easy to get caught in the howling, the sheer absurdity of all of this, the wolf costumes. I do want to acknowledge that this also was not a victimless crime, right? I mean, the bank teller you interviewed, how is she feeling? Where is Peyton Garcia in all of this? Yeah, she still hasn't shaken it. She tried to go back a week or a little after that later and um, actually tried to work two days. And every time somebody walked through the door of that bank, her heart started pounding and she'd get real nervous and shaky. And she decided she just couldn't do it anymore. Her anxiety was that bad. And today she still deals with nightmares of the incident. You know, she also was not aware that uh, Xavier Babadar was going to be out on bail. She had to read that herself from the court docket. And so now they're living in the same town, coexisting, and she's just wondering where he is out there, and she's she's worried. She worked at this bank for five and a half years. I mean, that's like practically her whole adult life where she's been at this place, and she just can't go back there. Liz Merrill, thank you for reporting all sides of this story. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Heather Lombardo, Ryan Antel, Mike Philbrick, Andre Soto, Andy Tennant, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Vale. Special thanks this week to Deontay Epps, Kendall Majette, Ben Weber, and Jackson Angelo. I'll talk to you Monday.